Of the Feminist Mormon Housewives podcast. Feminist. I'm your host, Lindsay, coming back for another episode of A Year of Polygamy, where we explore the issues surrounding Mormon polygamy. If this is your first time joining us, just go back to episode one with Fanny Alder, and this series is meant to go in chronological order. We are still in the Nauvoo period, which means we'll, we are still chronicling the wives of Joseph Smith. And uh, from there, we will go on to the trail and follow the saints west and see how this practice affected them. Tonight we're talking about Elvira Cowles Holmes. Elvira was born on November 23, 1813 in New York to parents Austin Cowles and Phoebe Wilbur. Elvira was no stranger to death. At an early age, four of her siblings would pass away and her mother died when Elvira was 12. Her father remarried a 19-year-old wife Irina Hicks Elliott, who would go on to have six children with Austin. She was said to be a good and kind stepmother. Her father, Austin Cowles, was a school teacher and a Methodist Episcopal minister, but converted to Mormonism with most of his family in 1830. Elvira was baptized on October 19, 1835, at 22 years old. By 1839, the Cowles family, including Elvira, were living in Nauvoo, where Austin was soon selected to be a counselor in the state presidency, and an elected member of the Nauvoo City Council. So now, Elvira would be 27 years old, and this is in 1840. Elvira began to work in the home of Joseph Smith, helping Emma with the household and the children, like many of the women that lived there. There, Elvira becomes friends with several other women who would also become Joseph's plural wives, including Emily and Eliza Partridge, Lucy Walker, Eliza R. Snow, and Desmadonna Fuller. The most important connection Elvira would make would be meeting with Jonathan Holmes. He was a widower and a longtime friend and bodyguard of Joseph Smith's. In September 1842, Elvira and Jonathan became engaged. Joseph actually performed the wedding for them, and a few months later, on December 1st, Elvira moved out of the Smith home. In honor of the new couple, Eliza R. Snow, like she did for many of her friends, wrote a poem. She wrote, quote, Conjugal to Jonathan and Elvira. Like two streams whose gentle forces mingling in one current blend, like two waves whose onward course to the ocean's bosom tend, like two rays that kiss each other in the presence of the sun, like two drops that run together and forever are but one, may your mutual vows be plighted, may your hearts no longer twain, and your spirits be united in an everlasting chain. Elvira became one of the first women to serve in the presidency of the first of the very first Relief Society organization. She was appointed treasurer and served under Emma Smith. On June 1st, 1843, six months after her marriage to Jonathan, only six months after her marriage as a newlywed, Elvira was sealed to Joseph Smith. Now, there's some debate if Jonathan was aware of the marriage, but historians suggest that his close connection to the prophet makes good evidence that he did know. He would know for certain by 1846 when he stood proxy as Elvira is sealed to Joseph for eternity. Jonathan would be sealed to Elvira for time, but she would be jo Joseph's for eternity. He would be sealed to his first wife for eternity. This meant that Jonathan 
and Elvira's children would become Joseph's in the eternities. This apparently weighed heavily on Jonathan's mind because Elvira was ready to pass away. Jonathan asked her, quote, what reports she would give to the prophet Joseph? According to tradition, she said, quote, only the best report. You have always been a kind and devoted husband and father, end quote. And this happened before we heard about this with Heber. These men were really concerned about treating the wives of Joseph Smith a certain way, lest they should report something to Joseph and lose the promises that Joseph made in return for them. When Joseph was killed, Jonathan served as a pallbearer at the funeral. Her father, Austin, was already experiencing some dissonance with the church and had publicly opposed polygamy and resigned as the counselor in the state presidency. He helped publish the Nauvoo Expositor, which eventually led to the death of Joseph Smith. Elvira seemed to hold no ill will towards him and later wrote, quote, He spent a long life in making the world better, an example to all who knew him, with charity for all and malice toward none, end quote. Elvira and Jonathan would begin to head west with the saints with a wagon of, quote, mismatched oxen cow team. Jonathan joined the Mormon battalion, leaving Elvira alone with two children at winter quarters, and there she lost her daughter, Lucy Elvira, who was almost two. According to Todd Compton, family tradition suggests that Elvira walked and drove her oxen team all the way across the plains all by herself. At one point, her wagon became surrounded by a herd of stampeding buffalo, and she prayed fervently until they went away. She arrived in Salt Lake City in October of 1847. She taught school at the Old Fort and resided there until she was reunited with her husband. The Old Fort would have been one of the first places that a lot of the saints moved into while they were establishing the town. The couple moved to Farmington, Utah, and on November 29, 1862, Elvira became a plural wife when Jonathan married a 45-year-old widow, Sarah Ingersoll Harvey Floyd. In 1871, Elvira became sick from exposure and on March 10, 1871, passed away at age 57. She is buried in the Farmington, Utah Cemetery. So that was short and sweet. That is the story of Elvira Combs. That is the story of Elvira. And um, I hope you're enjoying the series. I'm excited to get past these next few weeks, and then we can start moving into the Utah period where I feel like this practice is really lived. It sort of evolves into to a more, I guess, broader conception, perception of polygamy. So thank you for joining us on the Feminist Mormon Housewives podcast, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>